Well, good morning, Calvary Church. Good to see you again this morning. So I want to introduce some special guests. You probably met them. So Ramey and Jennifer Crumry, if you'd stand up, please. So we're glad you're here and the whole family. So you guys... So Ramey will be our, starting as our new worship and adult ministries director later this month, but they moved in this week and are getting settled, and you'll get to meet them throughout the week. And so their daughter Kayla is here with them, and then also their son Kyle and, and his new wife, Anne-Marie. Only three weeks married, right? Yeah, so congratulations to them. So, well, let me pray, and we'll begin our, our worship service, this, or begin our, our preaching of the Word this morning. Lord God, in your Psalms, it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray that for myself, we pray that for us as a congregation, that the meditations, especially in our hearts, would be acceptable to you, and that you are our rock, our strong, stronghold, our redeemer from our sins, and uh, make us part of your holy people forever. We pray these things for Jesus' sake, amen. Well, we're in the Gospel of Luke, and one of my favorite passages in Luke is what we're looking at today, and that's Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. You can turn to it in your Bibles, or it's printed for you in your bulletins as well. But the reason that it's one of my favorite passages is because it was used uh, in a lot of our mission work that I used to do at a church I pastored a number of years ago in California, and our mission work in East Asia. And so we would talk a lot about Sharing the gospel in East Asia is really easy to do. It's sort of just like fishing, and anybody can learn to do it. And so I want to give you a little bit of a a peek into one of our training sessions before we begin this morning. So as we would train our teams for these short 10-day trips to plant churches, um, we talked about how there are really five steps of fishing. And the first one is that you need to find, you start off by finding a group of people. And starting a conversation about culture and about mutual interests. And it's not really going to be difficult in this part of the world because Americans make good bait. You know, most people have not seen Americans in this part of the world where we're going. And so it'll be really, really easy because people are just going to come up to you. And if a group's not available, we can help you create one. Or you can start with an individual and, uh, and go through the same process and ask them if they have any friends, any family that would like to uh, get, just get together and, and talk. And it's really important, though, at the very beginning, that you start with a group of people. Uh, We would train them no one-on-one evangelism. We want to do groups of people, because what you start with is what you're going to end with. So anyway, more on that later. So we get a group of people together, and then the second step is you start introducing spiritual concepts uh, into the conversation and seeing if anyone's going to take a bite on what you're saying. And you start focusing more and more on those interested people in the group that seem to perk up when you talk about spiritual things. And if it doesn't naturally happen, of course, there are ways you can make it happen, and we can train you in that as well. But then once you start realizing who these people are and you focus on them, then you invite that group of people, that subset of people, to go out and eat right away because everybody likes to eat. And so it's really easy to go to a restaurant and and you'll get conversation opportunities later. And you invite these people to invite their friends as well, because the more people, the more fun it is to eat and to have a party. And so then you get a private room in the back, and and you tell them, invite your friends that are interested in talking about spiritual things, because we want to talk more about spiritual things. And so then you get your group together, and now you're on the third step, 
And once you're there in this private setting, you get to share the most important part of your life. You get to share your salvation story in Christ. And you tell them your personal story. It's going to be of great interest to them because this part of the world where we are, people love to hear stories. And it's going to be so natural. And in fact, your gospel partner um, then is also going to be sharing the gospel even more clearly from the scriptures. And remember that it's not just the two of you. It's, you also have a national partner who's going to be the translator and is a strong Christian and is capable uh, to do the things that you're doing. And then fourth, often at this point, you're going to observe the miraculous power of God saving people, bringing the catch, bringing people into his kingdom. And you keep working in cooperation with the Holy Spirit and rejoice in what he's doing. And we remind our teams at this point, the reason you're going to see so much activity is because the places that we're taking you, people have never heard the gospel before. This will be the very first time that most people will even hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And then finally, the fifth step, eventually these new believers are going to be uh, assimilated into existing churches, or better yet, they'll be forming new churches with these new believers. And, and all of our fishing partners, our national partners, they're going to take care of all the details because they know how to do it better than we do. And so they'll figure it out, and they will have new churches. And what a joy it is to work together with believers from other cultures to start new churches, new places in the world. So that's how we would train our teams in one of our training sessions. And, you know, fishing's not the only metaphor in the Bible for evangelism, but it's a really good metaphor, and it's the one that Jesus uses and in our passage is presented to us by Luke as well. And I also find it very interesting <clears throat> that, you know, I'd already planned, you know, we were going through Luke at this time, we'd be in chapter 5 at this time, but the Crumrise have been on these trips, so they can testify their works. And so they have some of their own stories where we've been in places in the world together. But I didn't really plan it this way. So please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to see the miracle as it is intended for us, and that is it's a parable of calling into discipleship. And we're going to read it as we go. This is, in fact, the first discipleship passage in the Gospel of Luke as we're going through it. In other words, what does it mean to follow Jesus? I mean, that's what a disciple is. That's what a disciple asks. How do I follow Jesus? How do I become one of his learners? And in Luke's gospel account, this is the very first story where we find out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And it means that you're called to missions, to his mission. And of course, Luke writes his gospel because he wants the church to see that, that we're supposed to follow Jesus by joining up with him in his mission of rescuing souls for the kingdom of God. So Jesus has established his ministry in Galilee so far in the Gospel of Luke. Remember last uh, couple weeks, we looked at his first sermon that he preached, his inaugural address in, in uh, Nazareth. It didn't go so well. They tried to kill him. And then we looked at his day of power in Capernaum when he healed people and cast out demons. Well, now we're at the point where Jesus is going to show us how to fish for men, how to catch them, and he's going to call us to join up with him on his mission. So we'll start with the first few verses of Luke chapter 5. It begins, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. 
and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So one particular day, many people are listening to Jesus. He's teaching them the word of God out in the open, and the crowd is getting quite large. They're pressing in on him because they want to see him. They want to be able to hear him better. And he's at the lake. He's at Lake Gennesaret, or also known as the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. It's in northern Israel. It's a big lake. It's like 7 by 13 miles uh, with mountains on the east side. And Capernaum, where his headquarters is for his ministry in Galilee, is on the northwest shore. But Jesus notices that there are two fishing boats. They'd recently come in from a night of very disappointing fishing. And the fishermen are Peter and Andrew and James and John, likely their father and some others. And they're washing their nets now. And Jesus gets into Simon's boat and goes out a little bit from shore so he can teach better. This is actually a very common style of rabbinical teaching at the time. You see, Jesus knows exactly what he's going to be doing. He knows exactly what he's doing and what he's planning on doing with Peter in a few moments and with the whole crowd. And he knows what Luke would do with this story for you and me today. So let's be observant as we look at this passage. Notice, first of all, that Jesus is teaching the Word of God, and it's mentioned twice, in verse 1 and in verse 3. In the opening and closing of this subsection, it continues where we left off in Luke chapter 4, verses 43 and 44. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for this purpose I was sent. And he kept preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So Luke, by using this descriptive phrase, though, that Jesus is teaching the word of God, is emphasizing for us that what he's teaching comes from God. That's its origin. And likewise, it had, comes with divine authority. Everything Jesus is teaching is true. And Luke is also showing us, in the broader picture of this story, that by using the word of God, you're going to bring people into the kingdom of God. The Word of God is the best tool, if you will, in doing evangelism. You know, we're great at making a lot of tools. We have a lot of tracks. We have a lot of creative things out there. They're fine enough in and of themselves, but it's really the Word of God that is going to capture people's hearts and souls and teach them the truth and bring them into the kingdom. And Jesus is showing us exactly that, that this is how we should be fishing and catching people, removing them out of the sea of perishing humanity and bringing them into the kingdom of God. Now, this situation is actually a model for these fishermen. They don't get the story yet. I mean, the story's not over. But they don't get what's going on, and it will take time for them to understand that this miracle that's going to happen this day is a parable of their calling. In fact, these men, these fishermen, have been following Jesus for some little bit of time now, and their whole calling experience with Jesus actually had many, many experiences with Jesus. It's not just one time. In fact, in Mark's gospel in chapter 1 and in Matthew chapter 4, we see a very similar story about Jesus with these fishermen and these two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew and James and John. But just listen to the Mark story. They're very similar. And as he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left the nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. 
And so Matthew's recording is very similar. So it's possible that Mark and Matthew are actually telling the same story that Luke is recording here in a very, very brief form. And Matthew and Mark would place it more chronologically in their gospel accounts that it happened before that big day of power in Capernaum when Jesus cast out demons and he healed all those people. And then if that's the case, Luke is saving the full story with all the details that he presents us today so that he can introduce Jesus' ministry with it. And Luke wants us to clearly see his emphasis here that Peter is prominent among the apostles and emphasizing their total abandonment in the stories he tells it to follow Jesus. But it's also possible that the stories of Mark and Matthew are another experience, a different one than Luke's story, and they really did just take place before that day of Capernaum and that day of power. And it's likely that these men, as well as the others, had many encounters with Jesus anyway before they finally got it and finally understood their calling. It appears that Peter and Andrew and John and others even had even earlier contacts with Jesus. In the beginning of John's gospel, we see them through John the Baptist understanding and learning and meeting Jesus. It's really hard to decide. We don't know for sure. Maybe someday we will where exactly Matthew and Mark's story fits. But back to Luke. So Jesus shows us how to fish for men here by sharing the word of God with them. He lures people to listen to them, him and then he shares scripture with them and reasons with them to actually bring them in. He knows that the catch will come soon as the Father calls people and as the Spirit converts people. And of course, the fishermen don't get all this yet. We have the advantage of knowing the end of the story. And Jesus has a lot more to reveal in this situation than what we've read so far. And we're just going to leave it to unfold. But we're going to learn as we go along that we ourselves are supposed to follow Jesus and to join him in his mission of rescuing souls for the kingdom of God. So going fishing... And catching fish, of course, are two different things. And there are a lot of fishermen here at Calvary Evangelical Free Church, and I'm not one of them, so I don't really know much about fishing. But I know those are two different things, just going out and experiencing it and actually catching something. Well, now Jesus shows us how to catch men. And so he issues a very strange command in verses 4 and 5, and it's followed up then with this miraculous catch. But starting in verse 4, He says, and when he had finished speaking, so he finishes teaching, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. So here, after Jesus finishes, he tells Simon to go out again into the deep water to go fishing. And they should let down their nets. Now, do you see the irony here in this story? I mean, what was Jesus' profession? He was a carpenter. So the carpenter is telling these experienced commercial fishermen how to do their job. I mean, don't you hate it when somebody who doesn't know anything about your job decides to come up and tell you how to do your job better? Yeah, well, that's what's going on here. What would Jesus really know? But... They've already fished all night long, and they've caught nothing. That's a very unusual experience. Don't miss this. This is the first miracle in the story. Because just like Jesus will later direct all the fish to swim into the net, what do you think he did all night long? He directed all the fish to swim away from the net. And so they didn't catch anything all night long. A very unusual experience for these men. 
But Simon makes all these facts clear, and he's thinking, well, even in the daytime, it's going to be less likely that we're going to catch anything, but notice that he's the one who says, but at your word, I will do it. Because Jesus said it, he would do it. And that's really the first step of discipleship. It's really the first step of becoming a good fisherman of men and women is to obey the seemingly strange and crazy orders that come from our master, the Lord Jesus. I mean, think about it. We're so used to the Great Commission, but when you think about what is involved in the Great Commission from Matthew 28, it actually makes very little sense. I mean, think about it for a minute. He commissioned his church to go to the ends of the earth to proclaim the gospel where it's really hard work. To go to people who've never heard anything. They have no background. There's no context for the gospel. Yet you're supposed to go there and tell them about the one true God. To go to people who don't want to hear what you have to say anyway. To go to people that are worshiping idols. To go to people whose lives are controlled by demonic spirits. These are the people you're supposed to go to and proclaim the gospel. But then when the church obeys and actually goes and does this, guess what happens? They experience the amazing blessings of this great ingathering of brothers and sisters in the Lord, and new churches get formed. Well, the secret of catching fish is brought up here then in verses 6 and 7. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to the partners in the other, other boat to come and to help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. So notice, when they've done what Jesus requested, then their nets are enclosed with this huge, large amount of fish. So large that their nets are breaking, and they had to call for help from their partners, James and John, most likely in the other boat, near shore or trailing along, and they came and they helped him. And both boats are so full they begin to sink. This is a miraculous catch of fish. I mean, it's miraculous because of the timing. It's miraculous because of the amount. But we're supposed to take note, above all, that it's at Jesus' word that they catch all these fish. I mean, the application should be pretty obvious to us. I mean, Jesus is, of course, in the miracle itself, very obviously is the one that directs all the fish to swim into this net. But we're talking about more than fish, we're talking about people. And so as we go out and we share the gospel with people, we don't end up saving them. Jesus directs them to accept the gospel and for who he is. But it's the word, as we put it out there to people, that's what brings people in. But it's Jesus who actually saves. He's truly Lord. He commands the fish. He commands the fishermen. And again, we're talking about people. He commands them all around the world. And it's true. There are many fishing partners all over the world that are saying things to the church around the world, come over here and help us. The catch is so large. It's especially true in places like India, South Asia, East Asia, other places as well, where there's just so much activity, so many people coming to faith in Christ. And there are even unexplored places, still some places left, where people have yet to hear the Word of God. Now, many of us, most of us probably can't get over there to help ourselves, but we can send people, we can pray, and these days, not right now, but last couple of years, but we can go on short-term trips. And we can all pray in our small groups for the gospel to go forth. 
And you know, we can even apply this principle in our own little corner of the world. Because we all know people. We all are in different groups of people. And in fact, I would encourage you to move around to different groups of people, to make new friends, and to be sure that you're fishing with biblical truth and realize that Jesus is the Lord of the catch. And it's always miraculous when people get saved and how they get saved and who gets saved and how many get saved. We're only responsible to do the fishing. We're only responsible to share the gospel with people. And so Jesus here even shows us how it is that we're going to be successful in this project. You know, we may think that we're the experts in evangelism. At least in my travels, I've come to understand that Americans often think that they are the most creative and smartest people to do evangelism. Yeah, imagine that. So we often think that we're the experts in evangelism, but Jesus is the master evangelist, and he shows us that he actually controls the catch. It's not our wisdom. It's not our strength of persuasion that somehow we need to practice and rehearse and have the right speech, the right spiel to get people to accept Jesus. It's a foolish way to do evangelism. It's not about our strategies and about our creativity. It's about Jesus actually saving people as they hear the gospel message. And he commands us to go and make disciples. That is to go and to do our gospel fishing. But in this story, reminds us that it's always, whether, it's a, whether this catch is small or, or large, it's always Jesus who's behind it. And we rejoice at that. So this next point is going to become very clear that we're supposed to follow him. And we're supposed to be involved in this. So after showing his disciples how to fish for men and how to catch them, he's going to ask them to join him. In verses 8 through 11. So Simon is immediately afraid, though, because of what just happened. At, at first, it doesn't seem to really fit the story, but, but it does. And as soon as Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on his knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So Simon's in fear at the presence of the Lord. And then we're going to see the commission right after this in verse 10 and following. But Simon's so overwhelmed in the face of this miracle. He knows that he's in the presence of God himself and he falls down. And you notice he calls Jesus Lord here. And Simon asked Jesus to leave him because he knows he's a very sinful man himself. He knows that God is absolutely holy and pure and he knows who he is that he's thoroughly a sinful man. This is just too up close and personal for Simon. It's the same cry that Isaiah gave in Isaiah chapter 6 when it says, Woe to me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of glory. See, Simon is overwhelmed with his own sin, and even more so just the sinfulness of his whole being. But of course, this is why Jesus came from heaven to earth to save sinners. If you look just ahead in your gospel account, Luke chapter 5, verse 31, Jesus answered and said to them, it's not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. That is, those who know they're sick. I have not come to call the righteous, that is, those self-righteous people out there who think they're okay, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. 
And of course, later on in Luke chapter 19, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. You know, as is displayed by Simon, this is how everybody has to come to Jesus. We have to sense and repent of our sin and turn away in disgust at the things that used to please us. And accept Jesus for all of who he is, all that we learned so far in the Gospel of Luke. He's the Son of God. Accept him for his cross of redemption and he paid the price for our sins and his resurrection glory. We must fearfully fall down to Jesus and call him Lord. Have you done that? Have you seen your sin? And have you seen your Savior? I mean, the amazement here is shared by all of Simon's companions too in verses 9 and 10. And you probably noticed that Luke loves this word amazement or astonishment. It's all over the place in his gospel account so far. And it just continues to grow as he tells us the story of Jesus Christ and his gospel. So if you look back in Luke, you can do it on your own. So the shepherds, as they start telling people about the words they got from the angel, you know, at the birth of Jesus, what does Luke say? All the people were amazed. Well, we have that story of Jesus, uh, after his parents are going home, he's in the temple with all the teachers. And what do we hear? Oh, they're all amazed at Jesus. And then we have these two synagogue congregations that we just heard him preaching in, in Nazareth and Capernaum, these places, and what do we read? All the people were amazed. So basically, everybody in the Gospel of Luke so far is amazed. Everybody's amazed at Jesus. Are you amazed at Jesus? Because if you're amazed with Jesus, then he can do something great with your life. Then Jesus commissions him with a promise in verses 10b and, and following he says to them, do not be afraid, Simon. From now on, you're going to be catching men. So we know what this whole story is about. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So Jesus tells Simon not to be afraid. It's very common when we have theophanies, especially in the Old Testament, with appearances of God, right? Or angels show up. They say right away, don't be afraid. Right? Well, this is, of course, the best one ever, the incarnation of the Son of God. And do not be afraid. And he says, and he informs them, from now on, you are going to have a new vocation. It's going to be fishing for men. In reality, they're all going to be called to this special mission, the 12, to be called his apostles. And they would become great fishermen of men. In fact, you can read about so many of their adventures in the, in the book of Acts, Luke's second volume. And he tells all these stories of how successful they were in sharing the gospel and God starting new churches all around the world. So they, uh, here, these men, all of them, they left everything and followed Jesus. And of course, we know that for the 12, this was the most radical call of discipleship, a calling that none of us have. But we're called to reflect upon the special calling of these 12. They serve as a pattern for us, regardless of you know, different degrees of calling in our lives for this kind of work. Luke's writing this gospel to the church. And he wants us to reflect upon the calling of the 12 and its broader meaning for everyone who would follow Jesus and be one of his disciples. And Luke is going to fill this in for us later on as he takes us through the rest of the gospel account. And we'll leave that till we get there. But for now, all of us are called to continual engagement in evangelism. All of us are. Now, not all of us are called to it to the same degree and, of course, we don't all have the same gifts. And that's the exciting opportunity that we have, is that we're called to do it together. 
as a church. You see, the church is a mission team. That's who we are. And we are to follow Jesus by joining him in his mission of rescuing souls for the kingdom of God. Now, you know, this was uh, no ordinary fishing trip, but you didn't expect it to be, did you? I mean, Jesus always turns what seems to be an ordinary event into something extraordinary. And this, again, is the first discipleship passage in Luke's gospel account, and we learn right away that discipleship equals involvement in his mission. It's signing up for that. And this miracle of catching fish is really a parable calling for a response. And our response after reading the story is to say to Jesus, yes, we'll follow you. We want to be a part of your mission of rescuing souls for the kingdom of God. Now, there's another famous fishing story in the Bible that you're probably familiar with. At the very end, after Jesus' resurrection in John chapter 21, there's another experience. But this is a purposeful recalling of their calling from their first experience. So that whole fishing experience goes way back to the beginning of how Jesus called them to himself and to this enterprise, and he recommissions them. John chapter 21 begins, After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. There were together Simon, Peter, and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll also come with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus therefore said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, well, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find a catch. They cast, therefore, and then they were not able to haul it up because of the great number of fish. That disciple, therefore, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And so when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea, But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of fish. And so when they got out upon the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed upon it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. It's a recalling of their calling to go out into the world and to fish for souls. Our Lord Jesus is the master fisherman, and I want to review a few of the lessons that we learned from this story today about doing evangelism. The first of all is that Jesus controls the catch. We do not. You do not. Okay? It's not our wisdom. It's not our creative plans. It's not our power of persuasion. None of these things are to be praised. And there is no one best method of doing evangelism. It doesn't exist. Second lesson. But at the same time that that's true, just as fishing is a skill, so is evangelism. And we can grow in it. And we can learn from Jesus as we watch him. And that's what we'll be doing in the gospel according to 
to Luke, and we'll be learning lessons from Jesus on how to talk to people about the gospel. And you know, fishing, evangelism, it requires a lot of faith. It requires patience. It requires courage and so much more. So yes, Jesus is Lord of the catch, but it's also a skill to be out there and doing evangelism, and he uses the process. But again, that part about actually catching them, it's always miraculous every single time because God is sovereign in granting his salvation to people. And so that ought to cause us to be overwhelmed with Jesus when people get saved, not overwhelmed with ourselves. You know, you've never saved anyone, and you never will. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about us. And then there's the joy then that happens after we see God save someone, and it ought to compel us to give up more of our life to it because it's so much fun to actually see people come to faith in Christ, to whatever degree he might call you in this. Also note, most importantly at the very end, Jesus' promise, he did not promise a fishing adventure. He promised actually catching fish. Did you notice that? He said it's not you might become fishers of men, or people might listen to you. It's you will become fishers of men. And only Jesus can make a promise with this degree of certainty. Only he can. That's the key verse in our passage. You will become, you will be catching men. And there's great freedom, and it's a whole lot more fun going out there and doing evangelism when we know that the actual catch is Jesus' concern and not our own. So find where the fish are biting and then fish that spot out. And if the friends groups that you're in, no one seems to be interested in the gospel, go find some new friends. You you can always come back to that group later, but you go find find where people are interested in hearing about spiritual matters and hearing about Jesus and go talk to those people. It's so much more fun to talk to people that are interested in hearing about the gospel. So go fishing in your conversations with people and remember to use the word of God. That's all you need. That's all the equipment that you need to go do this and to share with them the scriptures and to share out of your life and watch Jesus bring people into his kingdom. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we praise you this morning as the master, just as the apostle Peter called you, you are our master. You're the master at evangelism, as we see this morning, and you show us how to fish for men by using the scripture, by teaching it, by talking to people about it, and we look forward to what we're going to learn in the gospel according to Luke and trying out everything we learned, even what we've learned today. We praise you, Jesus, that you're Lord of the catch. We thank you for your marvelous work in relieving us of a burden that we probably are so tempted to take upon ourselves wrongly so many times that somehow we are the ones that are responsible. But it's you, you're the one who brings people into the kingdom. And it's great joy and freedom comes into our life because of it. And we ask for even more of that. We praise you, Jesus, that you've called us as as a church not just as individuals with the gifts that you've given us, but as a church to join you in your mission in seeking and saving the lost. And we ask that you would bless our new and maybe renewed steps this morning that you're putting on our hearts for faith and obedience in this area. And we pray for your glory here 
um, in this community and also around the world. We pray this, Lord Jesus, so that you will be praised all the more. Amen. But this time, on the first Sunday of the month, we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper together. So those who would be helping me, if you please come forward.